It's probably fair to say that the COVID-19 pandemic has proven to be one of the most transformative events in the history of cloud computing. In the first half of 2020, millions of workers found themselves at home using cloud-based apps and platforms, some for the first time. We came through that test of the technology relatively well. We were able to stay productive and connected Now it's dawning on many organizations that this is the new normal. And after that scramble to keep things going through lockdown conditions, we need to step back and look at where all of that data we've generated actually is. How secure is it? Is it being backed up? And if so, where to? How easily can it be transferred from one cloud service to another? Can you recover it if disaster strikes? On this episode of Cloud Talk, we're talking to Alan Warmington from VM an umbrella partner with around 13,000 customers across Australia and New Zealand. It specializes in data management, backup, and recovery solutions. We talked to Alan about the new normal that COVID-19 has created when it comes to how we work and the need to think about how you deal with your precious data. My title is Managing Our Cloud and Service Provider Business uh, for ANZ. Um, and just to put that in the context for ANZ, roughly 30, between 35 and 40% of our overall ANZ VM revenue comes from this particular go-to-market um, or this segment. So that is partners delivering and building VM-powered services for, for customers, right? Delivering outcomes rather than products. Um, and for New Zealand, that, that number is actually a little bit higher. So it's probably closer to the 40%, maybe, maybe even trickle over 40%. And, and so what we see is customers more and more, particularly during COVID, driving at outcomes. Um, and some of that's come from sense of urgency, right? So we had a pretty pretty significant thing, event happen uh, and resolving work from home, remote access, security, all those things just became an immediate priority. Everything else was put on the back burner. Uh, so what you got was a fairly big shift or, or interest in just give me the solution, not what are the products I need to go and build the solution myself, right? Um, and so two things happened in that, in that time. One is organizations that had already built those kinds of services that were catalog offerings that they could offer immediately um, saw a spike in consumption and growth and services adoption. Those that didn't either had to scramble and build something and deliver it, which, which, which is fine, which is great, right? We get those, get those products out to, to service customers. Um, and, and others may have not had the forethought on that stuff or already have those products built. And so they had to do some, some, some other things, whether they had to build or buy or, or, or whatever. But during the COVID, uh, initial stages of COVID, obviously just solving customer problems was number one. And if you look at New Zealand as a market, it has a pretty strong history of being able to do that, right? Now, I've spent a bit of time in, um, in the South Island and, and you look at Christchurch, I've been through um, pretty significant um, disasters in the past and events that have caused this kind of, hey, how do we just help each other out? Um, and I think for the most part, although not everyone will agree, I think vendors did an okay job of just saying, hey, just what do you need? And um, you know, if you don't ask, you don't get, but ask us for what you need. If you just need to solve a customer problem, just just ask and let's see, see if we can do this stuff together. And I think New Zealand have a strong history of, of being able to do that. The second thing um, is around sort of the collaborate. So work from home, um, remote access solutions, VPN, all that stuff became hugely critical for, for, a, for a time there. Uh, but then, of course, adoption of things like um, Office 365 as maybe a key collaboration tool, um, obviously Zoom, uh, which we're on, on now. Um, but lots of these things just obviously had a huge spike. And the immediate desire or need was just getting my employees working. 
I may have had a DR plan, but I probably didn't have a DR plan that included 100% of my staff working from home, right? I may have had a DR plan that allowed for 30% or 40% or an office closing, but not all my offices closing. So that was interesting. Um, but the immediate need of getting myself productive probably overshadowed the secondary need of, oh, how do I secure it, right? Um, and that becomes maybe an afterthought uh, at the time that's starting to bubble up to the surface now. Um, and if you start to think about the kinds of things that are now being stored in, say, Teams or in SharePoint and OneDrive folders that, that someone who rapidly adopted Office 365 just to get working uh, maybe hadn't considered what the data was that was residing in some of these platforms, which is hugely important. And, and you know what, we Office 365 users at Veeam, we love it. Um, but then we start to see some increased significance put onto what that data is, how secure is it, what happens if I lose it, what happens if I delete things, and it replicates that across, you know, the, the online versions. All those sorts of things start to have a, have a problem. And then you start seeing threats of ransomware attack, right? And I'm not going to name drop on organisations that have had issues, but ransomware suddenly becomes uh, a huge issue when there's been such an increase in adoption of things like Office 365 or, or whatever. So um, the data side of it became has just now become incredibly important. And you'll see um, some fairly significant customers start figuring out what they need to do about protecting that data um, now. And, you know, when I look at that specific to NZ, I kind of think, you know what, um, New Zealand organisations, particularly IT organisations, have a good track record of being able to adopt new technologies fast, get new services into market fast. There's just this attitude of doing um, and... I really like that. I think I think that's that's good. It's like something I think NZ partners should be proud of. Um, but they're normally early adopters and innovators when it comes to new technologies. So um, I think the response from NZ will be pretty good um, and, and pretty rapid. So that's kind of for me on the on the COVID stuff. Um, you know, I think uh, individual organisations have been impacted definitely. Um, organisations that serviced sectors that were impacted have have had a hard time definitely um and if if they haven't called out for help they should um and at least ask their vendors that they their, their business partners and technology partners who they work with they should ask um to see if there's th things they can they can do together to help get through those times other organizations that service um customers that you know maybe they have a, a, a diverse market they work with uh probably did okay actually uh, on weathering the storm. So uh, we'll see what the next quarter or so brings for, for those companies, but definitely, definitely an interesting time for, for those partners. Um, and kind of the third thing around that was then, you know, if I'm adopting Office 365, I'm now in public cloud, right? Um, and my data, if I'm a, if I'm a New Zealand organization, uh, my data is now offshore for the first time um, for some organizations. And so that um, push towards data sovereignty may have been overshadowed by the need of just getting working right and and getting getting those collaboration solutions out, out deployed right. Um, so that opens up a whole different plethora of questions about you know data so sovereignty was a very very big thing, um, particularly for Kiwi firms. Um, you know maybe putting data into Australia is not not the worst thing in the world, but but there were certainly some some thoughts to be had around that. And a lot of dialogue. And then, of course, you know, um, the potential of there being local point of presence from the big hyperscalers is suddenly like sort of sets up a huge, you know, some, some people's eyes light up and other people sort of go, oh, hang on, I've, I've built local cloud solutions here to service our local customers. So, you know, what happens for me? Um, and so these are all things that organizations will need to work through. I, um, 
I think Veeam's play in that is is kind of staying as far as it can, um, becoming that enabler of data movement as much as protection, because you know what, anyone can protect anything, it's how, how well you can recover is is the key thing for Veeam. So, um, you know, you start to think about how organisations, particularly our partners in the VCSP community, um, building services that enable data movement, right, um, from, from one place to another. And if I've got a, 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 a better thing that I can offer locally, maybe that's a thing that I should be looking at. Um, but I also want to ensure that my customers don't remain fixed, right? Um, and part of what I need to be positioning to my customers is a way out. If there's a way in, there has to be a way out, and that should be part of my that should be part of my pitch, really, because lock-in is 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 difficult to deal with for for customers. In fact, one of the biggest things I find with organisations moving to public cloud is fear of not being able to get out again, or fear of any specific vendor lock-in, which um, is something that I think Veeam does a very good job of of avoiding. Yes, yeah, so I think there's a perception that uh, cloud computing came through this crisis. It was a real baptism of fire in some respects we've obviously been in the cloud for a long time but at that sort of scale where you have literal government departments three or four thousand staff suddenly doing stuff at home it sort of seemed to work but you didn't hear so much about the where is all our data what are we doing to protect it as all of these people work from home obviously there are things like multi-factor authentication but what you're saying is the second wave really of of this is companies maybe getting back to the office it managers going well, we survived that. Now we need to think long term about where is our data, how recoverable is it, how safe is our data. Are you, so do you think that is real a maturity that's coming in the New Zealand market? And what are the sort of the the, the, the core offerings that you're seeing um, interest in uh, in the New Zealand market at the moment? Yeah. Um, so probably the first part of that is. Yeah, I kind of call it the second wave anyway, because the first wave was just getting people productive, right? Um, the moment everyone shuts down and, you know, New Zealand were fast uh, and, and, and strong, I think, in their actions on, on how to curtail a crisis. So lock people down. Um, and the immediate need was just getting people working, right? And so the second part of it is, oh, well, if that was the priority, now the priority might need to be what's the net result of... And I don't want to say hasty because I think it was the right decisions. I think a lot of people made the right decisions on the technology choices they made um, to keep people productive. But the second part is, hey, if I did make some decisions in haste, how do I make sure that now there's any corrective action on security, um, you know, around the data or making sure I've got copies of the data or, or any of those sorts of things that maybe weren't considered at the time but now need to be because we're not going to undo the things that we did. Um, you know, the rapid adoption of rem- remote solutions um, was a need, so now we just need to make sure that they're available to us as solutions. If you end up in a in a second lockdown, right? I mean, you know, I'm in Victoria, and um, you know, that's a very real possibility of going back into a second lockdown. So these solutions stop being temporary and start being this is the new normal. Um, maybe not necessarily working from home forever, but certainly utilization of the IT tools that enable us to work from home will be very likely a, a not just a temporary thing, right? A, a solution we adopt forever. So. Um, yeah, definitely. I kind of see that as the second wave is, is okay, I've got it. Now I need to secure it. Um, and then it could be firewalls. It could be security. It could be threat prevention. could be a whole bunch of stuff. Um, the big thing we're seeing a lot and seeing a lot of interest in specifically is ransomware. Um, and that may not be specific to remote from, work from home or remote uh, working solutions specifically or office risk of five, just, just in general um, uh, ransomware. There's been, I think, during the work from home, I think more vulnerabilities were exposed um, or potentially exposed. And I think, you know, there was some some 
some players that that, that look to capitalize on that. Um, and so it's very real, uh, the change in the ransomware attacks, and I'm not a security expert, by the way, there's, there's tons of people that talk better about this than I can, but um, the kind of dialogue that I'm seeing is it's not so much anymore of I'll decrypt your data for some money or for some Bitcoin. It's if you don't do it, I'm going to sell your data. Uh, and that's a whole lot worse. It certainly exposes a whole lot of bigger risks for organizations. So um, yeah, definitely a if that's not a priority that organizations are looking at today, I think I think it will be or, or, or it soon should be. Um, and Veeam isn't the only person that, that, that organizations are talking to for that. But um, for us, we have some element of, you know, how do we identify a threat? But the bigger thing is if, if you've, you've already got threat prevention in your business, that's fantastic. There's still a, you know, data protection recovery still becomes a very, very obvious um, plan B. What if something does happen? Oh, I can recover, right? And I can actually, you know, go back to a specific point in time if there's a dormant malicious attack or a dormant, um, you know, bit of malware in the system, I don't want to recover yesterday's backup because it could still be there, right? I need to go back to a point in time when I know it was safe. Or I need to be able to recover a, um, a backup to a staging area where I can run the diagnostics on it before I put it back into production. So there's those sorts of things that start, we start bringing intelligence into how we manage these threats and how we manage then the recoveries, right? Um, so, but definitely two parts of that is one is stopping the threat, but, but in the case that something comes through is how do I recover from it and have, um, that, that natural recovery capability. We're seeing on both sides of the Tasman at the moment, a real ramp up, uh, and government resourcing of cybersecurity, $1.3 billion package announced, uh, in Australia this week. So a huge injection of resource on the back of some of those ransomware attacks the government has recognized, been planning it for a while, but said we got to go big on this. Um, so, and there will be funding in there for collaboration with the private sector. I think there's an, you know, a monitoring system they're going to set up to try and preemptively sort of see what's building and try and address it. So a lot of threat detection and intrusion type stuff. So I guess the message they're saying is that we want, corporate Australia to be safer but do you think that 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 uh, the 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 message may be getting lost there that actually taking re responsibility for your own data protection is is absolutely crucial alongside that you can't rely on um, keeping everyone out someone is going to get in eventually and someone is probably gonna, probably going to get your data at some point as well you have to have a really accessible, clean store of that data somewhere else so you can get back to business as soon as possible. It's like anything, right? Um, you know, you put smoke detectors in your house, which is great. You make sure the batteries are replaced every change of the the, the uh, daylight savings and all sorts of stuff, but you still have an insurance policy on your house, right? Um, and, you know, you I don't I don't know that you can ever go too far um, with, with this kind of threat prevention. Um, but, but the key to this doesn't have to be high cost. Right, I think people are weighing up the risk versus cost, um, but it doesn't have to be there. And I, I kind of resort to the, you know, we've got 12 or 13,000 customers across A and Z that already have Veeam today, that actually already have a solution that would help them, right? At least at least with the rec recoverability, right? Um, now, whether people are fully utilizing the assets they already have to start offering themselves some of this benefit today, maybe not. Um, and, and, you know, people will look to their backup vendor for backup, uh, and, and maybe not necessarily understand that their backup vendor might offer them some other feature set that they either haven't implemented or haven't bothered uh, installing or engaging a, a someone to set up for them. So um, it doesn't have to be a high cost 
arrangement. It could it, it could be things that you already have today. Um, but it's worth it's worth double clicking into, right? Um, but you know, best best thing to do is have prevention, and that that that's great. Um, and that can come in various forms. And I mean, we partner a lot with security vendors, but um, you know, I kind of like the idea of knowing, hey, it's the what if, right? It, that's the end of the day. Is the what if? What if? It, what if it does, something does get through? I know I can restore from a sp- specific point in time. Um, those are those are the the nice to haves or or the very good to haves, I think, as well. Give us a flavour of what's going on at a product level with what you're offering. I know you've got, for instance, a new version of your backup and recovery system for AWS. Maybe give us a flavour of what what's new about that, and maybe more broadly how the product set is evolving for customers in this part of the world. Yeah, that's a really good one. So, um, from our perspective, this is. Uh, some rapid change, right? We've um, our, our early adopters of Veeam technology will be familiar with Veeam for how simple it was because at the point in time we had one one to two products, right? Um, the catalog's building out to protect more stuff, right? Um, which is great as a vendor. Um, but but sometimes we forget that that, that adds complexity for, for organizations as well. Um, so a couple of things, you know, in the early days we kind of rode that, that, that virtualization ride that VMware really took off and you know, protecting virtualized workloads were, were what Veeam did and we were known for that. Um, but of course, you've now got hosted workloads uh, in a local cloud provider in New Zealand, a very, very strong provider of, of, of local cloud offerings. Um, and then public cloud obviously comes along uh, and people are moving workloads, sometimes whole or spotless, or at least maybe operating off a, a hybrid cloud platform where I'm utilizing workloads uh, and services from multiple clouds. And that's driven a need for Veeam to start really building its capability in across the cloud. So obviously um, we've had very, very long-standing relationships with, with local cloud providers, that infrastructure data protection or infrastructure as a service data protection has been at the forefront of our service provider program, really. Um, but now being able to offer native data protection in public cloud, uh, both AWS and Azure, and, and you'll see us iterate these technologies now pretty frequently. Um, we built our products into the marketplace offerings um, so that there's something to get started with now and something to, to, to immediately protect your workloads. Um, but what organizations, maybe a little bit larger organizations that do still have on-prem infrastructure or maybe they have managed infrastructure uh, that's managed by a local provider um, in New Zealand, for example, are looking to start bringing, to, bringing together the integration of the technologies they already have with the technologies I want to consume, right? Um, and so having native offerings is great, but I now need to still only have one console to manage my backups and my data across the multiple platforms that I'm working in. So um, that's been really the latest iteration of making sure uh, we have some level of universal capability. And it starts at the licensing end, uh, to be honest. I, you know, as an organization, may be reluctant to be buying three years, five years worth of licensing for a, for, for a workload, I may not want to be running on-prem for much longer. So, um, you know, starting right at the, the, the commercial side of it really is, hey, I'll just license you for a VM, and I don't really care where you put the VM after that. If you want to move it, move it, right? Um, and so this universal licensing structure that Veeam um, brought out was designed to move with you, and the idea behind it being you don't have to go buy more stuff just because you moved your stuff, right? And I think I think that level of Veeam simplicity and Veeam 
flexibility we've brought to the market is 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 what we've been known for historically. So that was really really important, critical to the, to the stack. Um, and then you start moving into obviously we're talking about SaaS workloads, things like Office three six five. Well, they're 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 public by design, right? So you need to have a platform that supports that. Um, and then it's the the movement of workloads in between. I do want to manage my data from a you know a more central platform. That's nice. Um, and I kind of look at that your your Veeam infrastructure now is kind of like the aggregator of all of your di- different backups for all of your different workloads wherever they may be. Right? And where we see that as most prevalent is in our service provider community because we're seeing more and more, and particularly during times like COVID, where it's the managed service provider. And I'm talking about the local managed service provider that we're all familiar with, our, our local guy down the road. Um, they were the ones everyone turned to. Just, ah, I, do, I need to get something going. I need remote access or I need this. And they were the first first places that, that people called, right? Um, and these are the guys that are maybe driving the architectural decisions or the IT decisions for the local business, right? Who, who don't have IT resources themselves or, or whatever. So um, the design there is to make sure that the MS local MSP has a way of managing and aggregating those workloads across all of their tenants that they manage um, irrespective of where those workloads may reside. So, so that's kind of the, the, the main drive behind that. Um, for organisations, you know, that, that, that run their own assets, run their own IT, run their own backup, um, it's familiarity, right? You're familiar with Veeam console. We have a very, very strong market share in, in New Zealand. So we know a lot of people use Veeam, which is great. Um, I think maybe the forgotten element is a little bit that, you know, when a, when a workload moves to public cloud, it still needs to be protected. Um, it might be resilient, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's 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 protected. And the data is your responsibility, right? Um, so I think it's important to to acknowledge that is that there still needs to be a data protection strategy for public clouds. Um, and customers that are used to Veeam will find that a, a very natural transition to be utilizing Veeam for those assets in um, and those workloads in public cloud too. And I guess um, also as organizations spread more of their data often across you know different clouds as well and in different regions uh for um redundancy and that sort of thing lowering compute time and storage costs as you send large amounts of data to different places is really important and i know that you're optimizing your products to take account for that yeah we are we've built in uh, much of it is removing reducing the amount of data that needs to be moved right that's probably the the key thing but you know in all of that that i kind of say you know if the cost of moving data in and out of public clouds is is a concern um part of it will be is that's what you're working with your local provider for first of all right um i see a huge still see a huge amount of growth happening in our local cloud providers. Um, and, and they're the ones also who are building then public cloud practices as well because they know that customers want to be in multiple places or, or, or may have a preference for one thing or another. So those that build solid services around multiple stacks, I think, will, will benefit. Um, and, you know, there needs to be a level of being agnostic, right, because customers have preferences and customers have choice. And you have to be able to support that, right? So um, for us, it's a problem as much as anything is about, is about being able to manage the workloads wherever they are. Um, we will continue to build um, into our product set um, better manageability. We, we've already started building some things in, in being able to do your sizing and understand potential costs depending on the public cloud that you might look at using. So we have to bake that into the product as well. Um, so, and, and the same can be done for our service providers that now build these services and have subscription policies 
they can start building those costings into the subscription so, so that customers can see what the likely cost of, of this service might be. Same as a customer can see, hey, what's the likely cost of me running this particular thing into a public cloud might look like. And Veeam's built that into its product set as well. So at the very least, getting the, the visibility. Um, and then once you've got the visibility, you can start managing you know, what you can control from there. That was Alan Warmington from VM. You can go to vm.com to find out more about their data management backup and recovery offerings. And you can check out more cloud talks like this one at umbrellaconnect.com.